You may open your Bibles to Numbers chapter 14. Numbers chapter 14, the subject that I would like to take up for a few minutes is the age of accountability, which is an invention of men to cover for their doctrine of salvation. We have just studied earlier this morning the finished work of Jesus Christ. It is finished. If you don't believe it's finished, and you make it conditional upon what men do, then you are forced to coming up with other doctrines to cover for your heresy on that point. Many of us came from churches, and many of the churches that are called Baptist in this county believe in decisional regeneration, a conditional form of salvation in which you, the sinner, dead in trespasses and sins, is expected to invite Jesus into your heart, make a decision for Jesus, believe on Jesus, at which time after that, you will be born again, your name written in the book of life, and you'll go to heaven when you die, no matter what you do for the rest of your life. That's the common scheme of salvation. When you say to those people, but what about babies? They don't, they can't believe. They can't invite Jesus into their heart. What about babies? Well, they all go to heaven because they're under the age of accountability. Well, what is the age of accountability? One man will say 12. Another man will say 13. Some say 20. I'll show you that there's a Bible basis for 20 if there's a Bible basis for any number, but there isn't one for 12 or 13. That's what they say. Anybody under 13 goes to heaven automatically because they're not accountable and they're innocent before God. And so one heresy has led to another heresy that there's something in the Bible called the age of accountability. If you say, show it to me from the Bible, they can't do it. We want to consider that for just a few minutes. It is our privilege as the children of God to take the Word of God and destroy the strongholds of heretics. It is our privilege. It was Elijah's privilege to take down the prophets of Baal. It's our privilege to take down men who want to create doctrines and leave the Bible. The presuppositions or the ideas that men have about God and about salvation are legion. When it comes to God's nature and the reasonableness of it, men think that God needs to be like them. And... Being like them means that they are selfish, proud, and expect God to cater to their needs and desires. And so they create a God like that. But all the reasoning, all the rationalization in the world will not bring us to the truth of the gospel. The truth of the gospel is made known by revelation, not by rationalization. We don't try to make things sound right. We don't try to make things fit our preconceived ideas. We read the Word of God and submit ourselves to it. It is amazing. And it's blasphemous for people to reason by their feelings what would make God fair. If God were to send a child to hell, that just wouldn't be fair. For one of us, of our damned race, and I use that word as a proper adjective for one of us to say that God cannot send a child to hell is blasphemy. Read the Word of God and see what kind of condition we're in. 
The Lord doesn't make a difference about children in the Bible like we make a difference about them. I was speaking to Eric about this last night. I believe it was Eric. It's I'm sick and tired of reading the newspaper nowadays and any accident, if it's an automobile accident or it's some other disaster, they always want to mention the number of children involved as if that makes it extra worse. How in the world does a child in a car that is crushed have any more value than the adults that are in the car? In fact, I say unto you, they have a whole lot less value. They're not married. They don't have a job. They haven't done anything. There's no responsibilities. And no one is going to suffer by their loss as far as a consequence of that person not being there anymore except the sentimental attachment we have as human beings. But they always want to mention that nowadays. It's as if they're extra special. They were sure weren't in the Bible. Have you ever read about the flood? Does it say over there in Genesis chapter 6, 8, and 9 that God destroyed all flesh that had breath in its nostrils except children under 12? When the Lord God sent the angel of the Lord into Egypt, one dark night, what bed did he visit in every home? The firstborn, a child from every family. Don't think the way our world thinks. Don't think the way your little pitter-patter thinks in your chest. Think the way God thinks. The angel of the Lord came into every family and took a child out of every single family from Pharaoh on his throne to the poorest servant in the land of Egypt. When God destroyed the Canaanites under Joshua and Moses, He destroyed them all. Old and young alike, it tells us that. The sucklings included. It didn't matter if they were nursing. That didn't mean a thing to God. Not a thing. It may mean something to you because you don't think right. It may mean something to me but because I don't think right unless I submit myself to the Word of God. Man, woman, child, and suckling. Destroy them utterly. When we read Psalm 137 last Lord's Day, we read that happy shall he be that dasheth thy little ones against the stone. That's coming from the pen of a child of God inspired by the Holy Spirit of God. That is not the way our society thinks, nor the way men think, but that's what the Bible teaches. David committed murder and adultery, and who died for it? David's little baby. Don't you say that's not fair? Don't you even think that's not fair? You say, but that baby didn't commit the sin. That baby was a sinner in its own right. That baby was accountable to God for its own sins. You say it was a baby. That's right. That's what we're studying this for. You should think the way about all these subjects the way God thinks about them. I know some of the things I'm saying right now sound so hard. Listen, I hope we've all made the same decision together. Thus, If thus saith the Lord... If there's a thus saith the Lord, that's what we believe. And that's how we want to think. And we're not going to think any other way. And that's why I'm sick and tired about reading about some child being in a building that burns down. So what? How does that make any difference in the world? The Lord never mentions that. You know, Elisha sure didn't say, Children, children, you shouldn't be saying bald head to me. Now go home and you don't get any cookies tonight after supper. 
He cursed them in the name of the Lord. Forty-two of them were tore up by a couple she-bears that came out of the woods. From one cover to the other cover. That's what you read about the Lord God and His dealings with men. I have withheld a very good book on child training from this church that I sort of promised you while I was preaching on child training six or eight months ago because the man that wrote it, while he's got some great practical advice on how to train your small children, he is so twisted about children being unable to sin that I just couldn't have it in your homes unless I get those and rip out those pages and just leave the ones that teach you how to use a switch and to correct the little monsters. They are. They're sinful monsters. We'll read some verses that will tell you that's what God thinks of them. You can look at them and think they're cooing if you want to. They're just seducing you. They ain't cooing. They're seducing you. They're purring like a cat. They go astray as soon as they be born, speaking lies, which we will look at in the Word of God. This sermon is not to put down children. It's to have a proper balance in the way we look at every age. There's a God. I want to tell you something, though. Let's have hope. The Lord Jesus Christ is able to save anyone. Amen. He is able to save the smallest child in, the, in its mother's womb. And He's able to save the oldest man or the most rebellious thief hanging on the cross. Amen. The Lord Jesus Christ, when He said it is finished, saved every single one of them. Amen. And the hearts of the righteous can put their trust in Him because the Bible says the seed of the righteous shall be blessed. The age of accountability. Some say it's 13. Some say it's 20. It determines whether a person gets to heaven because of their age or because of their decision. If they're under 13, they get there because of their age. If they're over 13, they get there because of their decision. Now, either salvation is by grace or it's not. Right. If it's by grace, then no one gets there because of age. Amen. Those that don't accept Jesus Christ as their Savior after the age of accountability supposedly go to the lake of fire. What brings all this up is when we say, what about babies? And that's when they come up with the age of accountability because there's hardly a denomination or a church or a preacher on earth that wants to preach babies into hell because women just don't get excited about that concept. And it keeps their congregations too small. That's why they had to come up with something to cover babies. Where did it come from? Now, I want to, I want to help you reason through error. Where error comes from. The error of the age of accountability originated with the idea that man has a free will and that eternal life is dependent upon that man using his free will to make a decision for God that God will reward with eternal life. That's the first error. And then because of that error, because they know babies can't make a decision for God, then you have to get babies into heaven some other way or women are unhappy with you. Let me lead you through a couple of other ones to remind you. And we've, been, we've done this before. How did all the corruption about baptism originate? They sprinkle Presbyterians. They pour Catholics. They do babies, Presbyterians and Catholics. They let you get baptized for dead relatives, Mormons. If there's no water nearby, the baptism of desire is as good as the baptism of water. If you're going to be martyred for the faith and you've never been baptized, 
It's called the baptism of blood. If you're worried about having a miscarriage, we've got a douche that will take care of it. It's intrauterine baptism of the Catholics. Where did all that come from? One fundamental error that began the whole thing. Baptism saves. As soon as you say that baptism saves, then you will modify the doctrine of baptism to cover all the contingencies that you can think of or experience in your life. If baptism saves and a lot of children are dying in infancy or childhood, guess when you want to move baptism up to? A couple days after they're born. Are you following me? As soon as you say baptism saves, that is the error. And once you say that, then you move baptism way up to cover the children that die. What if you don't have enough water? Or the person's infirmed and you don't know how you're going to get them down under the water and back up again? You come up with sprinkling and pouring. Sprinkling and pouring came up as a second heresy to cover the first one that baptism saves. What about private baptism? Do you know that Catholics are taught that if they ever find your child dying, they can baptize it. Anybody can baptize it in the Catholic Church. Now, a priest is supposed to do it, but if there's no priest around and your child's dying, they can do it. And it specifically says you do not have to ask the parents for permission to do so because you are saving that child's life. So they come up with private baptism. If there's no water, they have the baptism of desire. Wanting to be baptized is as good as actually being baptized. Joseph Smith in the Mormon church. For all those people that lived before Joseph Smith, and the Mormon church teaches that baptism saves, then what about my family tree and my ancestors that never had a chance to meet Joe? Well, we have baptism for the dead at our church, they tell their members. You come on down to our local temple, and we've got an underground baptistry, and you can be baptized for your dead relatives. That's why Mormons keep genealogical records. And the point is, all these different corruptions of baptism come from one error. Baptism saves. We save ourselves all that trouble by knowing this one fact. Baptism does not save. Because we believe 1 Peter 3.21, The like figure, whereunto even baptism doth also now save us, not the putting away of the filth of the flesh, but the answer of a good conscience toward God. Amen. We know that the thief on the cross was going to be with Jesus in paradise that very day, though he was never baptized. Right. We know that. We know that it's not by works of righteousness which we have done, but according to His mercy, He saved us. Amen. So we're saved all that corruption. And it's wonderful. And, and I want to go, I go over all that because out of the, there's six billion people on earth. Six and a, it's 6.7 now. You would not believe how fast the earth is growing. 6.7 billion people, but 2 billion, 2.1 billion of them call themselves Christians. 1.9 billion of them practice the corruptions of baptism I just told you about. There's only 5% of people that call themselves Christians that have even figured out how to baptize the Bible way. And the reason I say that is those errors that we laugh at, you know, we laugh at infant sprinkling and pouring and all that stuff, you know, you ought, to, you ought to read a Catholic manual on baptism. It's not just water. It's water mixed with holy oil that's been blessed by a bishop. It's blah, blah, blah. It's all this special stuff. you got to pour it in a certain shape of a cross and dip your thumb in it. And the kid's got to have some white little gown on. There needs to be godparents there. What is a godparent? I have a godparent. It's my Father in Heaven. Amen. 
what in the world are they talking about? All that stuff they add because of that fundamental flaw. And we're saved from it by the Word of God. You laugh at it and you think, how could anybody believe something so stupid? But 95% of those that call themselves Christians do. And when we pick on the age of accountability, guess what? We're diving into that 5% and saying 95% of the 5% is mixed up. Are you with me on? But we're going to go to the Bible. We want to go to the Bible and let it defend us. You know, where did limbo come from? The Catholics knew as long as they baptized their babies, their babies went straight to heaven. But they still felt sorry for their heretic neighbors, the Protestants and the Baptists, because what happens when their babies die? So the Catholic priest comforted them, their babies go to limbo. That made them, that, that made them feel so warm and fuzzy. Our church is big enough to save our babies and keep your babies out of hell. They get to go to limbo. Where did the Immaculate Conception of Mary come from? If Jesus is a Savior because He was sinless, well, we can't have Mary, who's a co-redemptress, have any sin in her life. Have you ever heard the Immaculate Conception of Mary? That does not mean that Mary was immaculate when she conceived Jesus Christ. That means Anne was immaculate when she conceived Mary. Mary had no sin, no tie to Adam, no original sin, no sin of any kind. And so they create all these doctrines to support their false religion. And once you believe that you have to make a decision for Jesus in order to be born again and go to heaven, what do you do with babies? And they answer, we've got the age of accountability to cover them. We can get babies into heaven just as fast as the Catholics can get them in with their doctrines. That's where it originates from. You make one error in the Bible, it won't stay at one error. Because you will have to make more to protect it and defend it. What does the Bible say? You're in Numbers chapter 14. Twelve spies have gone in to spy out the land of Canaan. They've come back. Ten have said, it's impossible. They're giants. The cities are walled. We can't take it. Two spies, Joshua and Caleb, have said, no problem. The Lord delivered us from Egypt. This will be easy. Let's take the land. The nation wouldn't take the land. And so God said He would destroy a certain category of them. Numbers 14.29. Let's get verse 28 so we have the whole sentence. The Lord told Moses to tell this to the nation of Israel. Say unto them, As truly as I live, saith the Lord, As ye have spoken in mine ears, so will I do to you. Your carcasses shall fall in this wilderness... And all that were numbered of you, according to your whole number, from twenty years old and upward, which have murmured against me, doubtless ye shall not come into the land, concerning which I swear to make you dwell therein, save Caleb the son of Jephunneh and Joshua the son of Nun. Twenty years and upward. If you go read the book of Numbers, in the first few chapters, God had Israel number each of their tribes from twenty years of age and upward because those were their fighting men. And that was the number that was given for each tribe. And so Moses here just appeals to that number. You already know who of you that were numbered 19 and above. I mean 20. 20 and above. Or 19 and below. Those of you 20 and above, you will all die in the wilderness. You have said you don't want the land of Canaan. You have said, why did you lead us out of Egypt for us to die at the hands of giants in the land of Canaan? It would be better for us if we died in the wilderness. They said... Don't say things like that. Okay? Don't say things like that. It would be better 
if I died in the wilderness. Don't, don't do it. Because sometimes he hears those prayers. He hears them all, but sometimes he answers them. And that's why he said, you've said it. I'm going to give you what you asked for. I'll help you all die in the wilderness. Everyone from 20 and older died in the wilderness. Some people read this chapter and say, there it is. Got the age of accountability. It's 20. They must not have been accountable under 20. They must have been accountable over 20. So we'll make it 20. Let me tell you a secret. Just look at those people that do that. Do you think they have uh, Sunday school classes for anyone under 20? Do you think in those Sunday school classes for those under 20 that they press them for decisions for Jesus? Why are they pressing someone that's not accountable to make an unaccountable decision for Jesus? It's absurdity. And do you know where they put the most of their effort in the average Baptist church? On the Sunday school. They are working over the ones that are under the age of accountability to make decisions that won't be accountable. And yet they tell them they've got eternal life. Isn't that sick? Turn to Leviticus 27. Let's find the other reference they used. Does Numbers chapter 14, did Numbers chapter 14 say anything about getting into heaven? Or did it just say that we've already numbered you people from the age of 20 on up? We'll go ahead and use that number. All those of you that didn't want to take the land, you're going to die from 20 years and up. Let's go to Leviticus 27. This is Moses' tax system for a poll tax. For their vows. And it breaks the nation down into these age categories. I'll go ahead and read to you at verse 3. And thy estimation shall be of the male from 20 years old even unto 60. Even thy estimation shall be 50 shekels of silver after the shekel of the sanctuary. Verse 4 of Leviticus 27. And if it be a female, then thy estimation shall be 30 shekels. And if it be from 5 years old even unto 20 years old, then thy estimation shall be of the male 20 shekels. And for the female, ten shekels. And if it be from a month old, even unto five months old, then thy estimation shall be of the male five shekels of silver. And for the female, thy estimation shall be three shekels of silver. And if it be from sixty years old and above, if it be a male, then thy estimation shall be fifteen shekels. And for the female, ten shekels. That is the poll system, the head tax, for certain vows that were made in Israel. Notice that the, the people are broken into sexes, male or female, and then broken into one month old to five, let's just say zero to five, then five to twenty, then twenty to sixty, then sixteen above. And you know, there's some wisdom in that. We know that in those age categories, and the approximate value that's given to each one, we can see that makes, it makes pretty good sense just by looking at those. But so we've got zero to five, we've got five to twenty. So there we have twenty mentioned again as moving into that period of time called twenty to sixty that we would consider majority and that they considered fit for war, numbered for war. And so we have a second passage that brings up 20. But did you find anything here about getting into heaven or being accountable or beneath that age of 20 that you weren't a sinner? There's nothing there. This is simply an estimate of what each person needed to pay for a particular vows that they made before the Lord. You know, if 20 is good, then 5 is just as good. If five's good, then maybe one month is okay. If you've got precocious children, none of it, it has anything to do with eternal life. Come over to the book of Psalms. Let's look at Psalm 51 and see what David has to say about his own origin in his mother's womb. What does the Bible teach 
us about sin and accountability. That's what matters. Those two passages we just looked at, yes, they use the age 20. They also use the age 60. They use the age of 5. And there's no distinction made at all about eternal life. Psalm 51, this is what David said in his confession to the Lord for his sin of adultery and murder with Bathsheba. Verse 5, Behold, he's speaking to the Lord, I was shapen in iniquity, and in sin did my mother conceive me. When are you shapen? When are your members filled out on you in your mother's womb? He was shapen in iniquity, and in sin did my mother conceive me. At the moment of conception, we are tied to one person we wish we weren't tied to. And you know who that is? It's Adam. At the moment of conception. There is an age of accountability taught in the Bible. It's conception. Not one second earlier, not one second later. When you are conceived, you are tied to Adam, who is a better representative for you than you could ever be for yourself. Adam was smarter. Adam had a better choice of, had a better law to keep, just one, in a better world, with a better wife, than you can ever arrange. Adam is your representative. And the moment you are conceived, and as you begin to be shaped in your mother's womb, you are already in iniquity and sin. You are already accountable to God and condemned by Him as being a sinful thing. This is the Bible. This is the, these are the verses we go to. This is not a Philistine writing. This is not an Egyptian writing. This is David writing, the sweet psalmist of Israel, the man after God's own heart. I was shapen in iniquity, and in sin did my mother conceive me. Psalm 58, a few pages over. Psalm 58, verse 3. The wicked are estranged from the womb. They go astray as soon as they be born, speaking lies. The wicked are estranged from the womb. They go astray as they be born, speaking lies. Estrangement can mean separation, but it also means that you're a stranger or an alien. As a result of the estrangement, there's an alienation that's visible and obvious when they come out of the womb. And they go astray as soon as they be born, speaking lies. It is an error to look at a little child and say how innocent. Because they are not innocent. They go astray as soon as they be born, speaking lies. Now, if you're a PTA mom of the 21st century, they have a strong will. They're an intense child. They're mischievous. No, they're sinners. And they're telling lies as soon as they be born. Is that language too harsh for you? It's the language of the Bible. And if you've ever watched a child, you know that they're so good at it. Have you ever watched that little six-month-old crawl across the floor towards something you've told it not to touch, and it gets near it, and it looks back, what's it going through? What, what thought process? I love righteousness. What, what's it think? 
oh, do, do, do you parents know what I'm talking about? I, I had seven of these kind. Did you have any of these kind? They crawl over there and look back. Is he really going to stomp on me if I touch this? Because I want to touch it. I don't care what he said. And if you don't show any interest in what they're doing, they'll just go right ahead and take it. Then they'll look at you again. I got it. And you ain't doing nothing. You know, have you ever seen all that? Have you ever heard them screaming like someone is in there cutting their legs off? You race down to that nursery. I mean, they are screaming. It's a whole other volume level. It's a whole different tone. I don't mean crying. Crying is one thing. Screaming is a totally different thing. And anybody with even a rudimentary intelligence can tell the difference. I mean, they're screaming. And you go in there, the sweat's pouring off their forehead. They're so worked up and they're red. And as soon as they see you, they stop and cut off in the middle of their scream because they got you. They lied. They go astray as soon as they be born speaking lies. Every parent knows this. They lied. You little monster. He's just laying there smiling at you when he had just been screaming like someone's trying to kill him. He got you. I believe that verse for two reasons. And the first one's more important than the second. The first one is it's in God's Word. The second one is I've seen it confirmed seven times by mine and 50 by yours. You know, we've all seen that. And I confirmed it to mine. How many times would I tell my mom and dad how much they were hurting me when they were spanking me? That was my reasoning ability to try to save a few blows. Oh, mommy, 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 it hurts. It hurts so bad. She hasn't even got started yet. The verse. I'm not trying to entertain you unless you find entertainment in the Word of God and how different it is from our world and how men think and how false teachers think and how men philosophize and reason and rationalize about children and about life and about sin. The Bible's plain enough for us. All are dead in Adam. All die in Adam. We are conceived in iniquity. We are shaped in iniquity. We're conceived in sin. We go astray as soon as we're born, speaking lies. Immediately. All we like sheep have gone astray. How long did that take? Till you were 12? Till you were 20? I was pretty bad before I was 20. What about you? 20. Are you kidding me? That is terrible. As in Adam all die, even so in Christ shall all be made alive. Where do we get connected to Adam? In our mother's womb by conception. That's the age of accountability. Why does a miscarriage happen? The wages of sin is death. How can a miscarriage happen? If they're innocent. If they're not accountable. If they're not sinful. Because what we're learning from the Bible is absolutely true. And we all know it. There is death right down to the smallest unborn child. Proverbs chapter 20. You laugh with me, but the doctrine is sober. And I understand. It is, it's funny to look at the children and realize that is not an innocent little guy. But in all of its sobriety, as we think about what the Bible is telling us about children, again, I want to say to you for the second time, there is a Savior sitting at the right hand of the Majesty on high 
who can save and does save at any age. When was John the Baptist in a relationship with God his Father? In his mother's womb. He was leaping for joy because he was in the presence of his cousin or in the presence of his Lord and his Lord's mother. Did he leap for joy in his mother's womb? That is my Savior. Is that your Savior? I can take all of this. I have eight little grandchildren. I love every single one of them. But I know a Savior that can save every single one of them. If they were to die in their mother's womb, if they were to die today in in their very small childhood, but I know what the Bible says about them. They are sinners and they deserve to be condemned. But I trust a Savior who is glorious. Amen. And He's able to save. And He took John the Baptist in His mother's womb. Filled him with the Holy Ghost. Even from His mother's womb. Yes, He went astray as soon as He was born speaking lies because He wasn't sinlessly perfect, but He was full of the Holy Ghost. And it's because of that relationship with the Holy Spirit that He leaped when Mary came into the presence of His mother Elizabeth. Elizabeth said, Cousin, you would not know what just happened inside me, but the babe leaped for joy at your salutation. God's doing great things with us. And they didn't even know fully. They didn't fully comprehend the great things that we know were happening between the two of them. Isn't that wonderful? I have two little pillows at home in a bassinet that have no names on them because of two miscarriages where there are seven pillows with names on them. But I have a Savior, and I trust Him more than I would ever trust my feelings. Right. And I'll always trust Him. Amen. David trusted Him, didn't he? Right. I cannot bring Him back but I will go to him. David was a prophet, and that is not a rule that everybody gets to presume on. That was a prophet, and David was a man after God's own heart. And God was showing great mercy to David. That's all the farther we take that verse. We don't go promise anyone anything based on that verse except to lay hold of the same Savior with the same delight that David did. That's where our comfort is. Proverbs chapter 20 and verse 11 says this about children. Even a child is known by his doings, whether his work be pure and whether it be right. This verse says that there are children whose work is not pure and is not right. And a child is known by his doings. So when we see a child disobeying, listen, if the age of accountability is true, then nobody should discipline their children anymore. They're not accountable. So why would you be trying to reprove, train, and you're going to beat a child? You're going to spank a child? Beats the Bible word. You're going to beat a child that's not accountable for their actions? Nobody puts their doctrine into practice, do they? They like to talk about it, but they don't put it into practice. Even a child, even a child, he's drawing an example of an extreme case to make the point. Even a child is known by his doings, whether his work be pure and whether it be right. 
A child can show the difference between good character and bad character. A child can show the difference between good or evil in a multitude of actions. In Genesis chapter 18, we'll not turn there. Genesis chapter 18, Abraham reasoned with the Lord. Is not the judge of all, shall not the judge of all the earth do right? Will you destroy the righteous with the wicked? If I find 50, will you save the city? Yes. 40? Yes. 30? Yes. 20? Yes. 10? Yes. Did he save Sodom and Gomorrah? Why didn't he save it for their children? If they weren't accountable if they were innocent, or if they were righteous, because they weren't in the sight of God. Abraham quit at ten because he thought Lot's family was big enough to fulfill ten. This is what the Word of God has to teach us. The Bible says, I will have mercy on whom I will have mercy. He doesn't say, I will have mercy on all children under the age of 20, or I will have mercy on children under the age of 13. I will have mercy on whom I will have mercy, and I will have compassion on whom I will have compassion. So then it is not of him that willeth, nor of him that runneth, nor of him that hath few birthdays, but of God that showeth mercy. Salvation and compassion and relationship with God and adoption and redemption and sanctification and wisdom and righteousness are all by the will of God. It has nothing to do with age. We're all condemned because we had one perfect man chosen to represent us in Eden and he blew it for all of us. Can any man bring a clean out of an unclean? There's no clean child that's ever come out of an unclean woman except for the supernatural virgin birth of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. And he was not connected to Adam because he had no earthly father. His father was God himself. The promised seed of the woman. Were there sacrifices in the Old Testament for the sins of ignorance? Absolutely. God held you accountable for sins of ignorance right along with sins of presumption. Salvation is entirely by the grace of God. There are no child or youth programs in the Bible. Paul and the apostles addressed adults. Then they told their children to address their children. told the adults to address their children. There's no youth programs. There's no youth groups. There's no joy clubs, Awana. Boy Scouts or anything in the churches of Jesus Christ to go after the youth. There's no Sunday school. There's no junior church. There's no graham crackers and milk. There's none of that. There's no rewards for inviting Jesus into your heart. You can't get a ride in a motorcycle around the church parking lot because you invited Jesus into your heart. None of that is in the Bible. None of it. Not even close to any of it. Babies and children continue to die just as they always have because they are definitely accountable and counted as sinners in the sight of God. Because the wages of sin is death. The soul that sinneth, it shall die. Death is a consequence of sin. And death has has been placed upon our entire race. When I said earlier, we are a damned race, I meant that. We are judged and under condemnation of God for our father Adam. We are a ruined, condemned, damned race. It's over for us without a Savior. And none of us have a claim on righteousness. None of us can fault God for saying He is not fair. He is fair. But He's better than fair. He's even showing mercy this day to the wicked who get to enjoy the sunshine and the rain on this planet and the fruitful hearts filling their season, the fruitful seasons filling their hearts with joy and gladness. He's merciful even to the wicked that are His enemies. 
And we must remember all those things at all times. And the judge of all the earth does right at every decision he makes. We chose to rebel against him in the Garden of Eden and ruin all of our descendants. Babies and children continue to die. If they're not accountable, why are they dying? God is killing the innocent? Or God is slaying the wicked? They're sinners. They were shaped in iniquity and in sin were they conceived. We believe in the age of accountability. It's conception. A decision doesn't make us sinners. A decision doesn't save us. We are sinners by the first Adam. And we are made righteous by the second Adam. That's what we believe from the Bible. If children under 13 or 20 are not accountable, then why would we press them for decisions to get saved? They're not accountable. Their decision won't count. No one is saved by age. We are all saved by the free grace of God. Do you know if this doctrine is true? It it was created to cover babies because no one wanted to submit to the God of heaven and say, I will leave my miscarried child with the God of heaven. He is more merciful than I could ever be. He is more righteous than I could even imagine. I gladly leave him in the hands of my Father in heaven. Because they didn't want to do that, they invented the age of accountability. If the age of accountability is true, then loving parents would decide and pick what is the age of accountability and they would smother their children in some way, shape, or form before they reached that age to make sure they went to heaven and not hell. And then they could confess the sin of murder to the God of heaven who would forgive them and they could all end up in heaven. If that doctrine is true, that's what you ought to do. Put them in the car, run a hose from your tailpipe in through a window, roll the window up and leave them there for a few minutes. Oh, I shouldn't have said that in public, right? I'm going to probably get an email. Don't give our children ideas from the pulpit. I hope your children are wiser than that. But not really. They go astray as soon as they be born. Well, I hope that it won't happen. That's what we ought to do. If the age of accountability is true, then loving parents would do anything to get their children into heaven. Therefore, they should enjoy them while the years they have and then suffocate them before the age of accountability. We know that isn't true. We know that there's nothing like that in the Bible, nor is there any intention or pressure for us to even think such things. Since all babies go to heaven according to this scheme... Since all babies that die go to heaven, then the only babies that ever make it into life don't go to heaven. So all babies that die must be elect babies. So God only kills elect babies. Because all babies go to heaven. That's what they say. There's all sorts of ways you can look at this, and all of them turn out just as absurd. So the only ones that God lets live are the wicked. So He fills the earth with the wicked, and He takes away the righteous, before they even get a chance to grow up. They never even get to enjoy a relationship of accountability with God because they're all cut off in their youth. If the above is true, then the flood, the angel of the Lord in Egypt, and all the Canaanite babies and children were elect, though their parents were not. And God's judgment was actually the means of their salvation. Because all their parents were wicked and were to be cut off. 
but all their children being killed by the same armies. And since everyone under the age of accountability goes to heaven, then they must have all been saved. When does age save you? I wonder what happens to the ones that live past the age of accountability. Were they saved if they died before the age of accountability, but they're unsaved after they pass through the age of accountability? But you can't lose your salvation in that scheme of salvation. So they couldn't have lost it. You know, all this speculation is all because we came up with an idea called the age of accountability instead of submitting ourselves to the God of heaven and what He has told us about children. God's choice to let saved babies grow up old enough to become unsaved adults is pretty terrible. And I want you to think about the fact how hard they press children in those kind of churches to get saved when they're not even to the age of accountability yet. Have you heard about decisions being made by children at 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8? You know, that's way under the age of accountability. And yet they're told that for the rest of their life they can know that they're going to heaven without a doubt because as a three-year-old they made a decision for Jesus. Do you know how much meaning there was in that decision? Do you know how much commitment there was? Do you know how much counting up the cost there was in a three-year-old soul? None. you know what the Bible says? They don't know their left hand from their right hand. Sometimes they use the expression, the age of reason. You know, that depends on your child. Some children are able to reason when they're single digits. Some are waiting for triple digits to be able to figure out how to reason. So what it, the age of reason is a very flexible number. But you know what? In the Bible, it's not the age of reason because our reason ain't messed up. It's not reason that makes us sinners. It's the heart that makes us sinners. It's the heart that is deceitful above all things. No matter how well you can reason at any age, guess what? You're only going to reason in one direction. What your heart tells you is good and what you really want. And your heart is corrupt and it's always been corrupt. It was shaped in iniquity and in sin it was conceived from the heart. It's not when you can see reasoning ability. That doesn't make someone a sinner. It doesn't change a thing because their heart has already been corrupt. And they may sin more by instinct in youth than by reason, but they still sin. They're still sinners before God. When the Bible says that Jacob and Esau, one was chosen and one was not, one was loved and one was hated, before they had done any good or evil, that the purpose of God according to election might stand, what does a verse like that mean? Does that overthrow the verses that we've already been to? Or is God just saying, while they were in their mother's womb, before they had any act, activity of actual life, of good or evil, I had already made my decision about them. Or is he saying what they did or what they did not do had nothing to do with my choice between Jacob and Esau? Or is he saying, like he said to his disciples about the man born blind in John chapter 9, neither this man sinned nor his parents. He's making a point. There's a whole other thing to be considered. And that is, I made the choice about this man being born blind and I made the choice between Jacob and Esau. Right. That is not overthrowing the book of Psalms and the other places that we've looked and to understand that they are all sinners, including Jacob. And he proved himself to be a sinner, didn't he? As we read just a little bit about him. Matthew 19.14 tells us the kingdom of heaven is made up of children. Childlike humility and service. 
Jesus said that we all ought to be like little children in that we humbly submit ourselves and sweetly trust our Father in heaven. That's all he meant by that. He wasn't saying that heaven is filled with a bunch of babies who died before the age of accountability. He was explaining how we're to live on this earth, not in heaven. The kingdom of heaven, the character of those that are members of the kingdom of heaven is like children. They don't hold malice and they trust and believe their Father. And that's how we're to trust and believe our Heavenly Father. The age of accountability is no better than infant sprinkling. It's a heresy. And just like infant sprinkling, it came from the fact that one lie requires another one to defend it. If baptism saves, then we should have infant sprinkling. If you're a Catholic and you don't care what the Bible says. If you believe that salvation is dependent upon your decision, then you come up with the age of accountability to comfort all the mothers who've had miscarriages or lost children. Brethren, we believe what the Bible says. The Lord Jesus Christ, when He said it is finished, He saw His seed. And His seed included everyone from the smallest unborn child to the oldest man that God had given Him to redeem. And He redeemed them all and did not lose a single one of them. We trust the God of heaven that He does right in every choice He makes. We know that salvation is by the will of God and not by age. It is by the grace of God and not by age. It is by the mercy of God and not by age. No one is in heaven because of their age. We're all accountable. And we've been accountable since conception. But Jesus Christ was conceived by the power of the Holy Spirit and is a glorious Savior for every one of us. Our children included. If He included them in the election of grace. And I trust the God of heaven enough. And I exhort you to trust Him enough that you will leave that with Him. He is more merciful and more loving and kinder, and righteous, and holy than we can ever be. Your thinking is twisted, and perverted, and selfish, and proud, and rebellious. Give up on your thinking. Love His thinking. I trust Him. I trust Him. I don't know when He's going to take me out of this life. I don't know if my children will survive me or not. I don't know any of those things. I trust Him, though. Do you trust Him? Shall not the judge of all the earth do right? Absolutely He'll do right. He's never done wrong. I don't mind one bit leaving my eternal destiny and the eternal destiny of unborn, born children or any other relative in the hands of the potter. Because He's a glorious Lord and Savior. And I know that there's a Savior who can speak the Word and cause a child in its mother's womb to be born again or anywhere on earth at any age at any time. He is able. And He said, It is finished. And so I believe the work of redemption is finished. And I can say with David that it is all my salvation and all my desire, although he make it not to grow. It is big enough just the way it is. It is perfect just the way it is. And I will sing his praise for eternity by the hope of the Lord Jesus Christ, that I'll be there as one of the righteous. And I mean that as a confident expectation and persuasion that I'll be there. And I hope with you as well. May the Lord save us from all false doctrine and lies to the simplicity of the gospel. And do you know what the simplicity is? Jesus Christ has saved the elect that God gave him to save before the foundation of the world. And he hasn't lost a single one 
of any age. Amen. May Jesus Christ be praised.